Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Do you know what I was just doing right before we started recording? Well, eating. That also. Okay. But before that, (laughs) I was looking over our podcast reviews on iTunes, and we have had so many really positive uh, five-star reviews lately. I know you don't like to read the reviews as much as I do. I don't really read them that often, but I do go in there every now and then and look and see and try to shield my eyes from any one-star reviews. But we actually haven't really had any lately. So thank you guys so much for rating the show and giving us good ratings on the show and writing us such sweet comments. We've had a lot of ones people have been writing specifically saying something they liked about a specific episode we've done recently. So it was fun reading a lot of those. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Yeah. And I know you like to hear the positive things. So there you go. I do. (laughs) Well, emails, I normally, you know, I see the emails and stuff and those are typically positive. Very rarely does somebody send a mean email. And if they do, it's always like a fake email address. I'm like, have some, you know, have some backbone, back it up. But I'm not going to write them back (laughs) anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Um, But yeah, that's great. It's so nice. So, so nice. And it helps people find the show and it's just very much appreciated. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we started the story that we're continuing this week. Uh, we started it last week. We're doing the story on Colin Howell, and this was a story from Ireland, so very far away and tons and tons of information in this case. So that's why we're here doing it in two parts. And this is part yep. two. Are you excited, Melissa? <laughs> I am because if you thought the story was just like, okay, I know where it's going. He killed them and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But the details of this are absolutely unlike anything Mandy and I were just talking before, anything I've ever heard, ever. Yeah, yeah. truly one of the most bizarre uh, homicide stories I think I've ever heard. So without further ado, we will get started this week uh, with a little recap of what we talked about last week, just to kind of refresh your memory. So we started telling the story about the murders of Leslie Howell and Trevor Buchanan. Their respective spouses, Colin and Hazel, were having an affair when Colin was struck with this horrifying idea of murdering his wife and Hazel's husband, and then staging it to look like they had died by suicide, allegedly after becoming just completely distraught over learning about the affair that Colin and Hazel were having. The bodies of Leslie and Trevor were found inside the garage at the former home of Leslie's father, who had recently passed away. So I know this is a lot to keep up with here, 
it all is important in the story. So I hope that we're going to do it. Okay. Keeping <laughs> so, it all. Keeping so good it all job together. keeping up with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was determined that Leslie and Trevor had poisoned themselves with carbon monoxide and the case was closed. There was very little investigation into the deaths. The police did have some potential leads as evidence, but they didn't really pursue them with any enthusiasm. Colin and Hazel continued their affair for six years following the deaths of their spouses, but they both eventually went on to remarry other people. Colin married a new woman named Kyle, who he went on to build a life with. They had five children together, and then years into their marriage, Colin told Kyle that he has this big confession to make. And it was actually two confessions. Number one, he was having an affair. Number two, he murdered his ex-wife and his lover's husband and staged it to look like they died by suicide. So we left off last week with Colin delivering this shocking confession to his wife, Kyle, but we still have a lot to get into in this episode regarding what happened next. So Colin goes on to elaborate to Kyle about exactly what happened. He said that he met up with Hazel on the night of May 14th, where he outlined his plan and the role he wanted her to play in the entire thing. Colin's plan was to murder his wife, Leslie, at their home, and then he would drive to the Buchanan house to kill Trevor. Then he said he would stage it as a suicide, so it seemed like Leslie and Trevor had a suicide pact with each other and that they died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Colin said Hazel didn't seem to grasp all the details of the plan, but that she did agree to go along with it even though she did express a concern about getting caught. Colin gave Hazel some lorazepam pills and told her to mix them into Trevor's dinner so he'd be subdued when Colin came in to murder him that night. Trevor was actually a police officer, so Colin's fear was that he would see him and then he has his personal firearm and he might shoot him. Ah, well, that's a valid concern when you break into someone's home to murder them. That really is. Colin instructed Hazel to make sure Trevor's car was parked outside the garage so he could pull his car in. So we assume that's so he could put his car in and then he'd be able to put Trevor's body in it without having to, you know, bring Trevor's body outside to put it in his car. He also told Hazel to have a change of clothes for Trevor and make sure the fire pit was cleaned out so they could burn evidence in it later. And according to him, Hazel agreed to do all these things. So right off the bat for me, Melissa, I feel like Carbon monoxide poisoning as a means of murder is not one that we hear very often. Right. It's usually, you know, there's lots of other ways that we hear of murders, but already I'm like, this is the craziest plan that you're going to, this is your, this is the plan. But this is the plan, yeah. And then to say, hey, why don't you give him some sedatives or whatever? I'm just curious why he didn't go all the way with that and say, why don't we just completely poison him? It just seems, the whole thing just seems so wild and crazy to me that he wanted to subdue him so that he could personally go in there and attack him, which I find really interesting in this case. But at the same time, right, they would do, they did toxicology reports and found some sedatives in they did. Uh, in Leslie's body. So it, you know, if obviously if there was a huge amount, then he knows that they're going to be, he's going to be caught or there's going to be more questions asked, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So according to Colin's confession to his wife, Kyle, he said that he executed this plan on May 18th. His wife, Leslie, came home from the tanning salon and proceeded to drink a lot of wine that night. And he felt that that night was just his opportunity to go through with it. He justified the murder because he said that he couldn't stand by and watch Leslie go through this. And by this, he meant drowning her sorrows and, you know, just not really living her life the way that he felt that she should be living her life. And in his opinion, her alcohol problem was making her life awful. Colin contacted Hazel and let her know that he was planning to kill Leslie and Trevor that very night. He once again went over the plan with her, and she promised that she would have everything prepared just the way Colin told her to. He said the next time he called her, that's when she would know that Leslie was dead. At midnight, Colin said he saw that Leslie was in a deep sleep on the sofa in the living room with the quilt pulled up to her neck. So he waited for their children to go to bed before going out to the garage and getting a hose pipe that he already had picked out for this purpose earlier. He attached one end of the pipe to the exhaust of their car and fed the other end of the hose into the living room, where he placed it under Leslie's blanket. Colin then went to the garage and started the car, letting the exhaust fumes fill the immediate area where Leslie was sleeping. Colin then went a safe distance away and observed Leslie. He saw that she was starting to wake up, so he went in and pulled the quilt over her head. 
He said that Leslie called out the name of their oldest child just before she was overcome by the fumes, and then he left the ignition running for a couple more minutes after Leslie was dead. I don't understand how he was comfortable doing this with his kids in the same house. Right. This is a guess. This right. literally has killed people before and killed whole families of people. Right. So to do this and think like, all right, well, the quilt, I don't have right. that much faith in a quilt. No, definitely not. So Colin then wrapped up the hose and carried Leslie's body to the garage and put it in the trunk of the car. As a spur-of-the-moment kind of decision, he grabbed her cassette player and those framed photos that we mentioned in part one and put them with her body. He then put a sheet and his bicycle on top of her and drove over to the Buchanan house, and by this time it was after one o'clock in the morning. Colin reversed his car into the Buchanan garage when he arrived, damaging his rear light when he hit something and heard a crunching sound. So at the Buchanan house, Colin used a garden hose to deliver the carbon monoxide to Trevor's bedside. After a few minutes, Trevor started to stir and he lifted his head. So Colin ran in and pulled the quilt up over his head and forced him under it. A quick struggle ensued and the men rolled off the bed and onto the floor, causing Colin to hit his head. Colin said that he then struggled on his knees with Trevor before he managed to force the end of the pipe into Trevor's mouth. He said Trevor took a deep breath and Colin felt his body go limp. He then left Trevor there for a few minutes while he left the room to breathe oxygenated air. During the struggle, Hazel's in the other room covering her ears to drown out the awful sound of her husband being murdered in the other room. After Trevor's dead, Colin dresses him in the set of clothes he had asked Hazel to prepare for him, and he put his body in the trunk along with Leslie's and drove off, leaving Hazel to clean up the crime scene and get rid of evidence. Colin's original plan was to stage a suicide at Castle Rock on the beach, but he changed his mind because he worried he'd be seen out there with two dead bodies or that he'd leave footprints behind or other evidence that would be able to tie back to him. He decided to take the bodies to Harry's house at the last minute, leaving his bicycle that he brought along on the roadside near the beach so he could come back for it later. When he arrived at Harry's house, he backed the car into the garage, which was a very tight and confined space. He opened the trunk and dragged Trevor's body along the driver's side of the car because there was more room there, but he wasn't actually able to get Trevor's body fully in the driver's seat, and he had to leave him slumped halfway out of the car, which, if you remember, that's how police found him. Colin then went on to stage the area around Leslie's body by putting the cassette player and headphones over her ears and setting out those three photographs. He also put one end of the vacuum cleaner in the car exhaust and the other end near Leslie's head. Once the scene was staged, Colin started the car and maneuvered his way out of the garage carefully, closing the garage door behind him. He then jogged back to where he had dropped off his bike earlier, and he rode that home. Once he got there, he took off his clothes and burned them, along with the rubber gloves he was wearing and the two bed sheets he used to cover Leslie and Trevor's bodies. Then he called Hazel to let her know that he had made it home. He also told her about the bump that he got on his head and that he planned on telling police that Trevor came to his house earlier that night and that they had a fight. That doesn't seem like a great idea when these people have now been found dead because I feel like if you tell the police, yeah, we had an altercation earlier tonight, that's just going to immediately skyrocket you to the top of their suspect list, wouldn't right. it? Right. But so I guess you got to come up with some reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I, you, you would think you would come up with some reason that didn't have anything to do with Leslie and Trevor. Colin wanted Hazel to tell the police that she overheard Trevor talking to Leslie inside of their house at about three or four o'clock in the morning, which again, doesn't make a lot of sense. I guess the idea is that there was all this drama going on and supposedly they want the police to believe that there was all this back and forth, that Trevor was at their house and then Leslie was at Trevor's house and just kind of making it seem like this was a whole big to-do all night long. Later on that evening at about 8.30, Colin called the church elder Steve that we talked about a lot in the first episode and told him that Leslie had been missing all night long and he suspected that she was with Trevor and that they might be near Harry's house, which as we said was Leslie's late father. He also showed Steve a letter that Leslie had written back in October of 1990 following her first suicide attempt. So after the murders, uh, it wasn't very long before Colin started to notice that Hazel, the apple of his eye, was acting a lot different. And he felt, he got the sense that she was really regretting what happened and wishing that they had not done it. 
They ended up keeping the relationship a secret after the murders, which probably was a great idea. But it was a few weeks after that they finally met up for the first time again, and Hazel went to Colin's dental practice. So they had sex, and then Colin let Hazel use the laughing gas to relax and ease her mind, I guess, help ease her guilt, which there's a oh. lot. There's a lot wrong. There's a lot to unpack <laughs> a lot there, wrong. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then their relationship did progress to the point where they would get together at very remote places where nobody could see them, like remote beaches. And they would take their kids and they would go on these hotel trips and stay in different places. And Colin would go to Hazel's house on Friday nights. But otherwise, they were pretty low-key. After telling all of this to Kyle, who's Colin's new wife, he begged her not to tell anybody about it or to go to authorities. And he said, quote, just take a deep breath. It's waited seven years. You can wait one more day. We need to sort the children, end quote. Kyle did not go to the police, and later she said that it was because she was scared and felt trapped and obviously super freaked out. I think we did mention at the end of the first episode, you know, being in her position and hearing your husband, who you have now, you've built a whole life with, you have five children, you have a blended family, you know, you both came in with children, and now you have a lot of children, and what are you supposed to do when your husband is like, yeah, I killed my ex-wife, you know, and just very casual. I can definitely see why she would be like, okay, I am next and I need to play play my cards very carefully here. Oh, yeah. I can definitely see why the first thing she did was not call the police. I can see how you'd say, I need to figure this out. Like, you have to play smart with that for sure. Absolutely. And we have a lot more to get into after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. If you're like us, you're likely trying to soak up the last little bit of summer. This time of year is exciting and begins the countdown to our favorite time of year, which is the fall. The Faraday family also loves this time of year, and their brand really encapsulates everything I love about all the seasons. And to me, the end of summer, beginning of fall is all about getting comfy. Faraday is all about both quality and comfort. Take my legend sweater shirt, for example. It was a staple in my wardrobe all last winter, and it's still the first thing I'll reach for now with the weather starting to show signs of cooling. The Legend sweater shirt is more than just your average flannel. It's perfect for layering and has that soft, lived-in look and feel that just makes you feel right at home. And the more I wash mine, the more I love it. This is a piece of clothing I can picture having in my closet 20 years from now and still saying that it's my favorite shirt. And Mandy, if something happens to that favorite shirt, guess what? Faraday will actually replace it or fix it forever, no matter what. So your favorite shirt can live on long past the summer. Right now, Faraday is giving all Moms and Murder listeners 20% off. Let me say that again, 20% off. Head to faradaybrand.com slash momsandmurder and use code momsandmurder at checkout to get this deal. That's code momsandmurder at Faraday, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y brand.com slash momsandmurder for 20% off. Faradaybrand.com slash momsandmurder. With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions, even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking a little about this confession that Colin has now given to his wife, his new wife, Kyle, and kind of what you even do with that information. That is just so much. But things really continue on with the couple. And in 2007, tragedy strikes again when Colin and Leslie's son, Matthew, dies in an accident in Russia while he's there as an exchange student. He unfortunately passed away after falling from a balcony. And Colin felt that his son's death was punishment for the sins that he himself had committed, and it made him realize the effect that his actions must have had on the family of Trevor and Leslie. And in late 2008, just before Christmas, things got even worse when Colin lost his and Kyle's life savings. Okay, this next part is wild and a twist I never expected to take in this story. So apparently Colin hears about this diving project. It's this thing where people are looking for Japan's war gold somewhere inside caves in the Philippines. So for some reason, he thinks he would get 20 million pounds if he spent his savings on this project. But the money really goes to some guy in the Philippines that Collins never even met. 
So <laughs> apparently there are legends about this multi-million dollar hoard of gold that a Japanese admiral buried in the bunkers in the Philippines. And many people have gone treasure hunting for this jackpot, but none of them have ever found anything. Have you heard no, of this before? No, but I, what it reminds me of is that insane story that took place in Florida about the guys, remember who like hid cocaine on some island? I and have totally heard of Remember, this, we yes. watched that. And like, that was the whole thing. They were like going there trying to dig it up and spending all their money doing private flights because obviously you can't bring a bunch of cocaine back on a commercial flight. Delta's not going to allow that. And uh, so they like, go back and forth and they're spending all this money and then come to find out like was it even there nobody even knows right i feel like these legends that send people on these wild treasure hunts is like the ultimate form of real life trolling that somebody right? just created this and like gets people to actually go do this but this is wild to me that you would not only give money to somebody you really don't even know in another country with this like assumption that they're digging for gold for you. I don't even understand. What did he think his money was going for? I guess just uncovering the this equipment gold? and stuff. Right. But I like, don't know. Wouldn't I, I just it blows my mind what people are willing to give money to without even verifying that that's what's happening. That just seems I'm, crazy to me. I'm truly such a realist that even if you told me like Melissa there's 20 million dollars in your backyard, you just have to dig like 6 feet under. I'd be like, I doubt it. Right. I don't, I don't think that's true <laughs> yeah. at all. The next person who buys my true. house can find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So for six months, Colin sends money to this man and was told that the cost of bringing the gold bars to the surface was unfortunately higher than they originally expected. And the man said that these bunkers were booby-tracked and filled with poisonous gas. And so he needed more money to finish the project. And so he alleged that he only had about another 40 feet of tunnel left before the gold was accessible. And so at this point, Colin's already invested 353,000 pounds into this. So he ends up going to the Philippines himself to see if he can get the treasure, which honestly is probably the first thing you should have done if you're right. going to invest all this time. <laughs> so he's given two ammunition boxes that were supposed to contain two gold bars. But when he gets to his hotel room, he opens the box and realizes he's been scammed. The boxes contain some silver dollars and other notes equal to about 30 U.S. dollars. Oh. Yikes. I think that's worse than nothing being there, like a full yes. Geraldo Rivera reveal. I'd rather that than 30 U.S. dollars after all of that. Yeah. So Colin thinks that this was yet another punishment for what he's done. And so from there, Colin was supposed to fly to Florida to meet Kyle and their kids. But instead, he calls her and tells her he's lost all of their money. And Kyle is not having it. This is a bridge too far. And so she tells him to move out of their house. So Colin moves out of their house and goes to live in a deserted caravan park. So it's not exactly clear what happened next. But on January 29th, 2009, Kyle apparently just completely had enough of all of it. And she called the church elders and then called the police. Colin went to the elders on his own to confess what he did after he realized that he himself was a fraud, and his guilty conscience was just eating him alive. Colin and Hazel were then both arrested and charged with both murders. Colin, who, as I just said, was kind of feeling this guilt, ended up giving a full confession. Kyle went back to the United States with all the kids, that's her kids and Colin's kids, and later filed for divorce. She didn't have any charges brought on her for keeping Colin's secret for so long. Hazel was subject to at least 14 different police interviews, and according to court documents, her version of the events changed a lot over the course of those interviews. Unlike Colin, Hazel continually tried to evade questions and wouldn't accept responsibility for what happened, and she lied to the police numerous times. At first, she said that her relationship with Colin was over before Leslie and Trevor died, and she claimed that she told the pastor of the church about their affair and then ended it and said that she thought that was why Leslie had overdosed the first time when she had tried to take her own life. But when Hazel was confronted with evidence that her husband also had sedatives in his system, she started to be a little bit more truthful about what really happened, although not totally truthful. She said that after Leslie's overdose incident, she and Colin did resume their affair, and Colin told her that he was never going to divorce his wife Leslie. But then he brought up the idea of killing their spouses instead. She said Colin never told her exactly how he was planning on killing them, and she didn't ask. 
She said it was on the night of May 19th that Colin called her and told her he was coming over. And when he showed up, he reversed into the garage and told her that Leslie was in the trunk already. Trevor was upstairs in bed, and Hazel said that she was scared and didn't know what to do at that point. Colin instructed her to go into the bathroom and shut the door, which she did. But at some point, she looked out and saw Trevor's body on the hallway floor and saw the hose running from Colin's car into the bedroom, which led her to assuming that Trevor died by carbon monoxide fumes. Hazel denied giving her husband any sedatives that night and said that if he had any in his system, then he must have taken them himself before he went to bed. According to Hazel, once Trevor was dead, Colin told her to cut up the hose and burn it, as well as to wash the covers on the bed and open the windows to air out the room. She didn't know where he was going when he left with the bodies, and she said she really didn't want to know. It was through the church that she actually found out where the bodies were found. Hazel's story actually changed a lot after her initial account, but she did eventually admit that Colin planned to show up with the intention of killing Trevor that night, and she said she knew it was going to be carbon monoxide poisoning, but otherwise, she said she really wasn't aware of the full details. Hazel said she was scared that Colin would kill her, too, if she didn't cooperate with his plan. She said he told her what to say to the investigators when they came around asking questions as well. Hazel had been warned by people to stay away from Colin, but she was really charmed by him and the way he loved to take risks, which is, to me, the least attractive thing in a person. I'm <laughs> such a safety first person. Absolutely not. No, thank you. So at one point, she felt truly in love with him, but she said after the murders, her feelings began to change and the relationship deteriorated. Hazel said that when things ended, Colin was very upset with her, and he would call her and kind of creep around the back of her house, drive up and down her street, and she felt that he was very controlling and that she was really easy prey for him. In 1996, Hazel said she finally told Colin she didn't want to see him anymore. And finally, nearly 15 years after the murders, Colin pleaded guilty to both counts on November 18, 2010. His attorney alleged that Colin thought he was doing something good at the time of the crime and that his thinking was distorted and that he believed murdering them would alleviate their emotional pain. I can't stand it when people do that, like try to make it like they were helping a hero. the person. Right. Like maybe you should ask them first if they would rather die than, maybe you know, ask them. And also right. maybe part of their problem is that you're actively cheating on them. And maybe if you stop doing that, they wouldn't be so miserable. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Ugh. The attorney said, quote, these crimes would not have seen the light of day and been properly prosecuted by this criminal justice system had it not been for the fact that his conscience troubled him over the years, end quote. Now, I agree with that. I don't think anyone would have ever found out about this if he didn't say anything. That part for is sure. true. For sure. So the judge had to decide an appropriate sentence for Colin, and he took his time mulling it over. Colin was facing 12 years minimum before he would be able to have the potential for parole. But if the judge found that his culpability was exceptionally high or because there was more than one victim, the judge could sentence him to up to 28 years in prison. However, Colin's confession to the murders ended up working in his favor, as did his guilty plea and his promise to testify against Hazel. The judge ended up meeting in the middle and sentencing him to 21 years. And the judge wrote, quote, these were truly heinous crimes, constituting as they did the cold-blooded, carefully planned, and ruthlessly executed double murder of two people who Howell saw as standing in the way of his adulterous desire to be with Hazel Buchanan. The judge felt that the murders would continue to have a grave effect on so many people for generations to come. The children of the victims had their parents stolen from them, and their families now have to live with the pain of their losses forever. Hazel didn't go to trial until February of 2011. They allege that Hazel and Colin conspired to kill their spouses simply because they wanted to be together. And they said they didn't really think money was a motive in the murders, nor did they believe that Hazel played any physical role, but they agreed that she did help facilitate and assist Colin in pulling it off. She knew that the murders were going to happen, and she did nothing to prevent them. And they pointed out that she even opened the garage door to let Colin inside where she knew her husband was sleeping and unaware of what was about to happen. She also provided a change of clothes for Colin to dress Trevor's body in, and she cut up and burned the hose and just made other efforts to destroy or conceal the evidence. And finally, she hid the truth from the police and gave them a false narrative that was designed to mislead them and cover up the fact that Trevor and Leslie did not kill themselves. 
And we have a little bit more to get into before we wrap up this story. And we're going to finish it up after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I love a good mystery. And if you're listening to this pod, we know you do too. But when you're looking for a way to unwind while still scratching your mystery-loving itch, check out June's Journey. June's Journey is the free-to-download game where you get to be the detective. You'll play as Detective June Parker, an amateur detective herself, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder as well as uncover her family's secrets. To help June out, you'll find hidden objects as well as a variety of game modes and puzzles just waiting for you to solve. Puzzle games are kind of my thing, and I'm currently in the second chapter of June's Journey. The scenes are elaborate and challenges are intriguing, and now you can even play in the detective club. You can chat and play with or against other June's Journey players and have the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. June's Journey is a game I love to play when I need a little pick-me-up. If I feel like I'm hitting a bit of a mental block, I'll just play for a few minutes and then get back to what I was doing before after hanging out with June for a bit. Find your inner detective. Download June's Journey today. Available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as PC through Facebook games. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Mandy and I have talked about the Enneagram before, and I'm definitely a type six, which is a loyalist, but basically that means I'm a worrier. I worry about things that will happen, things that may happen, and even scenarios I have created in my head. And still, there's other times I even worry that I'm worrying too much. But with my BetterHelp therapist, I'm working on staying in problem-solving mode instead of, oh no, everything is a freaking disaster mode. For a warrior like me, learning how to move my anxiety from fear to solutions is invaluable. And if you've been considering therapy but aren't sure where to start, BetterHelp is a really great option. Not only is it affordable, but it's convenient and entirely on the internet, so there's no waiting rooms or lines or driving involved. Plus, BetterHelp wants to get you matched with a therapist that understands your needs and goals. So after filling out a brief survey, you'll be matched to a BetterHelp therapist, but you always have the option to change therapists if you'd like. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash moms. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about Hazel's portion of the trial and uh, the evidence that that they had against her in the trial. And Colin ended up testifying for the Crown against Hazel, and he detailed how he had planned the murders and then executed his plans. He said everything was really all of his idea, but that Hazel did cooperate. 
He said she was worried about getting caught, but it wasn't enough to make her ask Colin not to do it. She never once told him it was a bad idea, but after it was done, he said that it was very clear that Hazel was immediately regretful. Hazel's defense cross-examined Colin for 12 hours. They actually accused him of killing Leslie so he could get her money. And Colin said that was totally wrong and that money was not the motive or even considered. The motive was completely his love for Hazel. He claimed he didn't even think the life insurance would pay out because Hazel died by suicide. And I always thought that too. I thought that was like the one thing. I think that's a clause that can be in some insurances. It's probably not not every single one. Yeah, but I'm sure that is, I've definitely heard that before, that that's a thing. Right. Okay. So they also accused Colin of drugging Leslie with sedatives so he could leave the house unnoticed for these hookups with Hazel. But he said that Leslie took sedatives and she drank wine on her own so he didn't have to do any of that. There were actually no witnesses called by Hazel's defense. They argued that Colin controlled her and he forced her to take part in the murders. The jury started their deliberations on March 2nd. After two and a half hours of deliberating, Hazel was found guilty on both murder counts. She was facing a minimum of 12 years, but just as the judge had done in Colin's case, Hazel was sentenced with a harsher punishment due to the nature of the crime. She actually received 18 years. The judge in her case said that both of the victims were exceptionally vulnerable as they laid asleep while they were being murdered and that Hazel had a high culpability in the crimes because she knew about it and she did nothing to stop it. The judge said she could have told someone else, called the police, or even refused to let Colin inside to kill Trevor after she knew he had already killed Leslie. The judge said Hazel didn't even have a spark of compassion for her husband. Furthermore, the judge felt there were a lot of aggravating factors in the murders, including the premeditation and the destroying of evidence. He also felt that Hazel showed no remorse, unlike Colin, who took full responsibility and admitted guilt. Hazel continuously misled and lied to the police as much as she could and only admitted her participation when she was confronted with solid evidence that she had done so. During her police interviews, she spoke more about how this whole thing had affected herself and the kids and how it has affected her new husband, but she didn't really express a lot of concern over the effects that these murders had on the lives of those who loved the victims. The judge said that Hazel expressed no real regret for her actions, and the only thing she seemed to regret was the situation she found herself in, but not for the events that had caused it. He believed that Hazel who was unhappy in her marriage, was driven by love and intense sexual desire to the point that she allowed Colin to persuade her to do something as horrific as murder. Hazel ended up appealing her conviction, but only for the murder of Leslie. The appeal didn't mention Trevor at all, but her conviction ended up being upheld by the court. She did later try to appeal her conviction in the case of Trevor, but the court wouldn't even let, they wouldn't even hear that appeal. They just didn't let her. So Hazel remains in prison as of today. After Colin confessed to the killings, six different women came forward with allegations that he attacked them all at his dental practice between March of 1998 and December of 2008. Some victims claimed to have been attacked more than once. Colin ended up being charged with 17 counts of indecent assault for these crimes. In May of 2011, he pleaded guilty to nine of the charges and admitted to sedating women and abusing them while they were in the dental chair. So disgusting. I know it's, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I can't even comprehend There's no words for that. Yeah. Yeah. Colin apologized to the patients that he victimized. He was sentenced to five and a half years. Interesting to me that he admitted to committing murder, but he did not also say, by the way, Kyle, I also did this other terrible thing. Um, Might as well get it all out. So Colin will not be able to leave jail until at least 2030, and because of the assaults, the Department of Health, Social Services, and Public Safety ruled that Colin would not be able to collect his pension when he reached retirement age. Good. Yeah. In December of 2011, the police ombudsman for Northern Ireland released a report regarding the investigation into Trevor and Leslie's deaths. They found that concerns raised by Officer Jimmy, who we spoke a lot in the first episode, were either ignored or they were never fully investigated by senior police back in 1991. The initial investigation was full of errors, including no scene log of the garage, no sketches or measurements taken at the scene, too few photographs taken, and the fact that police didn't explore all the opportunities for evidence. 
They also believe that if all these leads were fully explored, they may have been able to find evidence that would have undermined the death by suicide theory. It was also noted that Trevor was found with blood on his sweatshirt, but there was no inquiry as to whose blood it was or how it got there. The report said the officers showed an investigative bias by sticking with the suicide theory, even though Colin and Hazel, the two people that were actually promoting this theory, had even lied to them about having their affair. A lot of evidence just wasn't brought up at the coroner's inquest, which ruled Trevor and Leslie's deaths as suicides. For example, there were two post-mortem photographs that were of particular relevance to the police ombudsman investigators, and one showed injuries around Trevor's mouth and nose. The other showed what appeared to be blood coming from the back of his head. Neither of these injuries was recorded in the post-mortem report that was included in the coroner's report. So when shown these photographs, the pathologist could really offer no explanation as to why these injuries were not documented in this report. And that is a pretty big drop of the ball to not document injuries that you found on somebody. That's like the simplest – you don't even have to do much. It's just a visual – you know, you take note of that. That's crazy that they didn't write that down. homicide 101. Right. So when the police interviewed Trevor's coworker, this is the one that he confided in. The coworker said that when he last saw Trevor at work on May 17th, he didn't have any injuries on his face. And he said that during the funeral wake, he did notice a cut to Trevor's lip and scratches to his nose. And the officers, as we said before, didn't record a witness statement from this coworker, but they did take notes of the interview, which is pretty much all they did in all the, with all the interviews in this yeah. case. But besides the notes about the injuries, officers wrote, quote, possible slap on mouth. So the officer believed that Trevor had gone over to the Howell house and got into a fight with Colin, and they never followed up on any of this. In the end, the ombudsman found that, quote, the inadequacy of the original police investigation contributed to Colin and Hazel evading justice for almost two decades. The police ombudsman concluded that both families were failed by the original 1991 police investigation, which was deeply flawed by the standards of the time and lacked objectivity and focus. So that is how the story ends. And yeah, still probably one of the craziest stories I think I've ever heard. I have just never heard of somebody being murdered in this type of way. And it's honestly so horrific to think of someone coming into your house, doing all of that, feeding a hose from the car to your room and forcing you to inhale carbon monoxide. I mean, that is really horrific if you think about something like that happening. I just, uh, crazy. And and we talk about, you know, so many brutal cases where it's just somebody being bludgeoned or, you know, these terrible, horrific crimes. This is, it's murder, of course, but this somehow is like in this weird deviousness of like the way, the way it all happened. And just, I just will not under, I just don't understand all of this over an affair that Leslie already knew about. Like none of this made sense. It's like Hazel after realized like, oh, we we shouldn't have done that. And he did right. too. And they don't even stay together. And of course they don't stay together because you just murdered two people who didn't deserve to die. Right. Like, you can't just all... build a life on that foundation. Can you imagine that no. being the foundation? People <laughs> no. say to build a foundation on like friendship, but I think building it on killing two people and having that secret is way worse. Yeah, definitely. No surprise that they did not make it in the long haul. All right, Melissa, that was the story about Colin Howell. Definitely a crazy one. I am very excited that we got to learn about that one. I always enjoy doing the odd case from from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we are going to turn the page and move on to our last thing before we go. Last week or a couple of weeks ago, rather, Melissa posted on Instagram and Facebook, and we were looking for some suggestions um, to kind of freshen up our last thing before we go segment. And we got lots of responses, and we've even had a few more rolling in this week. So I think we're just going to take a couple more of those questions and answer them this week. All right. So, Melissa, do you want to get us started? Sure. Okay. Here's – I really enjoy this one because I was – would like to forget it. Um, Shanice Lundy on Instagram said, let's hear about those New Year's goals. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Mandy, how is uh, roller dancing going? I have not put on my roller skates since February, (laughs) (laughs) so it's not going very well. I was thinking about that the other day, though, and I was like, I can still make this happen. I still have like three months, right, before Christmas. I'm supposed to do a roller skating dance, so my invigoration for that is renewed, Uh 
because With it getting of this cooler. question. No, because oh, we because have now been confronted. Yeah. Now, now I feel like I'm like, oh man, people remembered that we said that. So yeah, now I, I love to get my it so much and get practicing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to give an update on my bathroom. So um, I clean my bathroom every couple of days. I do not do it every day now, but I do have a new like master cleaning list that I love. Like every day you clean something different and it normally helps, but I also don't kill myself over it because I am learning in my older years that everything is about moderation. And when I feel like I'm going to fail because I'm going to miss like cleaning the grout in the bathroom one day, then I feel like, what's the heck is the point of any of this? I'm just, I'm a fraud. I'm a freaking fraud. I can't do this. And so I'm learning to kind of let that go, but like keeping things pretty clean. Plus the kids aren't home every day. So it's helpful. I can get more done. Um, But yeah, cleaning toilets every day, that's been gone probably since February. Yeah, I didn't think February. I didn't know how long that would last for you. (laughs) It wasn't like the worst thing. Like it really did help. And now I'm like always like, why am I not still doing that? But it's, you know, it is what it is. Well, there you go. I mean, I'm proud of you that you're still cleaning your bathroom every few days and scrubbing toilets. I think that is still maybe getting done once or twice a week here. So you're doing better than we are. (laughs) Listen, I just can't take it. It just drives me crazy. Um, Okay, Mandy, what do you have next? Okay, so this is a one that has come up a couple of times I've seen, but this particular question came from our friend Diana on Instagram, and it was kind of vague. It just said, can we talk about Mandy's fitness? So I have mentioned on the podcast briefly a couple of times, but have never really elaborated um, that I like made a whole lifestyle change a few years ago since we have been doing the podcast. So um, mm-hmm. people who have been listening and following us for a long time have obviously seen that journey. And I really haven't spoke that much about it. But as you know, Melissa, fitness kind of became very personal to me um, a few years ago. I think it's almost been three years now that I decided um, I was going to make a change and I wanted to just get healthier. That's really where it came from. And I do think this is kind of an important topic to touch on, especially for moms, because a lot of us get to that this age where we're in our 30s or 40s and we're thinking like, what's the point now? You know, like it's, I've never exercised. I've never done anything like this. Why would I start at this stage of my life? And I kind of was, you know, kind of was there as well. Um, But I lost my dad. He was really young. He passed away about 12 years ago now and he was only 52 and he was never very healthy and active. And he had a lot of heart, you know, related problems, cardiac issues and things. And that was kind of one of my big reasons that I wanted to change my own lifestyle and get a little bit healthier, be a little bit more active, uh, lose a little bit of excess weight that I knew was contributing to me not feeling as good as I should feel and not feeling as healthy as I should feel for my age. Um, And realizing that, you know, we make jokes all the time about being in our 30s and how we just feel like we're so old, but really like we still have a long, a long way to go. So it's not, it's not quite time to give up on your health and fitness just yet in your 30s. But uh, so yeah, so I did. And I've been really proud of myself. I Uh, committed to following a plan. I hired a professional to get me on the right track. And just, I said to myself, you know, the hardest part is just going to be to stick to this and get it done. And I did. I lost about 45 pounds the first year. And um, then I got into doing bodybuilding competitions, which has been a lot of fun for me. It's been uh, a very good way for me to just keep my fitness goals on track um, and, you know, kind of just have something to work towards and keep me doing it. Cause, because like I said, I am still pretty new at this whole thing. So I like having something that kind of keeps me on track. So for right now, uh, I did one competition this year. I got second place and uh, I was very happy with that placement. Yeah. I worked really hard. And so that was really, um, that was really nice, but, uh, now I'm taking off. I'm not going to do any more competitions the rest of this year. I just am still in the gym and doing my thing. I'm trying to grow some more muscle and I will be going back on stage for another competition sometime next year, maybe in the spring. So that's where we're at now. But yeah, so now I just live my my gym life. It's very interesting, Melissa. You know, I'm a totally different, uh, I have a totally different daily routine than I did when we first met each other. But all I good know. stuff. Yeah, all good stuff. No, so, all good stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. But it is still wild to me that you like bodybuild. Like that's the yeah, part where I too. feel like, huh. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's definitely strange. And it's not something I really saw myself doing when I first signed up to just, you know, getting in shape or wanting to work out or exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like most people who do start a fitness thing, they kind of realize how many options there are in the fitness world and how yeah, many, yeah. how many things that you can do to stay in shape and to have fun while you're doing it. And 
I just learned that I liked lifting weights and I enjoyed the whole process. And with bodybuilding, there's a very, like the structure is a huge component of it. And I felt like I needed that and still do. And that's one of the things I appreciate the most. So yeah. So my takeaway from that is, um, if you're thinking about it or thinking, you know, like I really want to try and, you know, get out there and try to become more active, um, go for it, just do it. It's a slow process and that's okay. Like you can start slow and who knows where you'll end up in three years. You could be bodybuilding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you could be. And if you are, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what I was also thinking about whenever, uh, like, just thinking about fitness in general and stuff? I remember having small kids, you do too, and you, like, it is great to go out and walk and do all that stuff, but, like, it might not be possible. Like, the way I don't work out nearly as much as you do, but I try to go to the gym three times a week, walk every day. That That isn't hard. But when my kids were, like, four and you know, impossible, <laughs> it, absolutely impossible. And it would have killed me if I was trying to, you know, like, yes, do that. You could yes. not do it. So like, I think you and I both are very lucky. Now we have our kids in school. And we have the option to work, like work out and do all this stuff where I know you and I both, we couldn't have done it a few years ago. It just wasn't in our a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so, there's like so many different ways to to be active and healthy too. Like absolutely. You said. Like, it's it's all based on your personal goals and how much time you can dedicate and how much time yeah. you want to dedicate because not everybody wants to do what I do and no you know I mean I love it for you I'm proud yeah. of you I love it but I've definitely encountered more people than not who say they could absolutely <laughs> never do it and I get it because it's it, it, I wouldn't I wouldn't never say that someone should do what I did but getting healthy and becoming active yes absolutely totally. all for that if you can get out and take a walk once or twice a week. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I totally agree with you. All right. So do you want to do one more question, Melissa? Oh, um, sure. How about this last one? Okay. This is Vandygrad231 on Instagram. Okay. I've never had this question and I'm kind of excited. If you could time travel, what time period would you go to and why? Ooh. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to say that I would go to, I'm so boring, I would go to, let's say, the 50s. Do I have a reason? No. But I like the skirts that the women wore. I was going to say, like, you just want the style. You just like the style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you did that. Um, seems like you could, oh, I don't know if I would like that, actually. I'm thinking I would. But like, okay, like, let's say that everything's even. There's no, like, terrible things that we know happen then, blah, blah, blah. It, just for the fun of it, I would like the skirts. I would like to go to a sock hop. How about that? No. Yes. Nay. I would like yeah. to see a sock hop. I don't want to go. You think I want to go and dance? No, I just want to go see a sock hop. So there's my answer. Yeah, 50s would be fun, I think. For me, I am going to have to say I'm going to the 70s because you know I am just a hippie flower love child. You're a hippie baby. At heart. Yep. Yeah, so I feel like I was definitely born in the wrong time because there's no hippie flower love childs in 2022. So well, I mean, I guess there are, but they they're, they they look a little different than they did in the seventies. <laughs> well, you're so do you. <laughs> yeah. Hating on other flower hippie child babies, and you're one of them. <laughs> right, I know. True, true. Yeah, so I would definitely go to the seventies, and because I like the style, but it just seemed like such a cool time. I mean, it definitely seemed like a more sketchy and potentially more dangerous time, sure. but um, it seemed like a fun time. <laughs> yeah, we weren't there, so we can say these things. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. All righty. Well, that was it for this week, guys. Thanks for coming back for part two. And we will be back next week. Same time, same place with a new story. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.